Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. Welcome back, and it's good to be back with you. We had a, a very good, uh, relaxing vacation. Um, being away, um, I'm sure you enjoyed being away from me. Um, my wife does sometimes. No, just kidding. We we just had a had a really good time, and I, I just wanna I wanna say thank you that that this is a this is a congregation that um, allows us to take that vacation. Um, I need it, and you also need rest and respite and relaxation. Um, rejuvenation and recentering, and so that's what vacation is for for us. And so it is really good to be back with you. And I'm, I'm grateful for Matthew, as he's a he's a great leader, he's a great supporter, um, and a youth pastor, and he's he's awesome at, at what he does. And so grateful for him. And now he and his wife are are out as well, having a great time and away from the kids for a little bit. And so uh, this month. Um, these are the scriptures that we're going to go into. I, I want to direct you specifically to Psalm 139 because that's where we're going to sit uh, a majority of our time today. Um, and uh, we're, we're starting a new series, and we'll get into that discussion. Um, but first, I so this this is uh, this is my children's Bible. I have in my hand that children's Bible. Um, I I remember my mom coming home from the grocery store, uh, unpacking these huge bags, brown grocery bags, that's when they weren't plastic, they were actual paper, um, and uh, she pulled this Bible out, um, and she gave it to me, and it was actually on March 26th, 1985, uh, two days before my brother turned 13 and I was seven at the time. I don't remember, I only have one memory of reading this Bible. Um, pretty much all the other memories I have of my child children's Bible of opening it is, is opening it up and looking at all the colorful pictures that were in the Bible. And uh, if I ever found a four-leaf clover, I would... Um, pull my Bible out to uh, John chapter 3 uh, and put the four, I still have them in there. Four-leaf clovers are still in this, this children's Bible. But what I do remember most is, is not really reading it, but I actually would put my children's Bible under my pillow, my big old foam pillow, and keep it there. And so every night I would, I would have this children's Bible right there, um, under my pillow, and it was kind of like a security ban- blanket. I don't know if it was like comfort or not. Maybe I thought through the law of osmosis that all the scriptures would go right, seep through the foam pillow right into the, the, my skull, into my brain. I think many of us do that, right? Um, maybe. I don't know. 
Um, but every night, uh, I would lay my head down, and I would feel my Bible, and then I, I was reminded to pray. I was reminded to talk to God. And so as a seven-year-old, eight-year-old, nine-year-old, I don't know how, maybe I had it when I was a teenager. I don't remember that. But um, I was reminded to talk to God. And those prayers were, Lord, bless my mom, my dad, my sister, and my brother, my friends Chris and Isaac. Lord, may there not be a fire in the house. I later learned that I had a fear of fires um, because I was actually, a, a, when I was a baby, that we had a fire in, in the kitchen and I had to be taken out of the house. I didn't know that until I was an adult. Um, so I prayed that there would not be any fire in the house, and then I would say, Lord, I love you. Amen. Um, and every night, it was the same prayer. Night after night after night after night. I would pray the same thing. Lord, bless my mom, my dad. Protect us. Keep us safe. Every single night. But as a, when I became a believer in Jesus Christ at the age of 19, um, I, in retrospect, I realized that as a 19-year-old or a 20-year-old, 20, 21, 22, my prayers were kind of the same thing. Lord, help me pass this exam. Lord, protect me and bless me. And if that girl that I think is really cute could, like, look at me, that would be great. You know, and then as I got older, as Lord helped me find a wife, right? Um, it was the same prayer over and over and over again. I don't, I don't know if you kind of was like me. Maybe you were better than I was, but uh, maybe you have kind of the same type of prayer. Lord, bless us. Keep us safe. Protect us. May everybody get well and be healed. I think the Apostle Paul's... Um, scripture where he actually is talking about love kind of applies here loosely he says in first corinthians chapter 13 this is the love chapter that that most people are read at their wedding day um, this is after all that lovey-dovey stuff he says when i was a child i i talked like a child i thought like a child i reasoned like a child when i became a man um, i put childish things away well, maybe it kind of, this is, this is the Ambrosian version in reference to prayer. Uh, when I was a child, I prayed, bless my food, my life, my family, protect me prayers. I, I'm stuck and don't know what to say prayers. I prayed safe prayers, but as I grew, I prayed dangerous, audacious, radical, life-altering, transformative prayers. Folks, I don't, I don't know if you're stuck. Maybe you don't even pray yet. Maybe you don't know how to pray. Maybe you don't know what that really is. Um, and that's okay. Very simply, prayer is having a conversation with our Creator, with our God. Through Jesus Christ, by His Spirit having a conversation it's talking with him it's listening to him that's simply what it is 
and of all the things that Jesus' disciples could have asked him to teach them, they didn't ask him, hey, Jesus, can you, can you help us figure out how to make that water to wine again? Can, can you help us figure out how to take a couple of loaves of bread and feed a whole magnitude of people? Could you teach us how to raise people from the dead? Because that was really cool. No, they didn't ask Jesus that at all. In fact, Jesus' disciples asked him, Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. Why? Because they often saw Jesus having a very intimate conversation with the Father. Because Jesus needed to be connected to his Father. And so this month, I don't know if you know how to pray, and if not, I hope by the end of this month, you just learn very simply to have conversation. But if you're stuck, if you're stuck in your prayer, or if you're stuck in your faith, and you're stagnant, We're going to move outside of safety. We're moving beyond the safe prayers because safe prayers are safe. That's why we call them safe prayers. They keep things status quo. They keep things the same. Protect me. Keep me safe. Lord, bless me. And it's okay to ask for the blessing of the Lord. I ask for God's favor and the favor of people frequently. However, for our faith to move any further than where it is today, we have to begin to have conversations that are a little bit deeper and that challenge us and move us. We need to move into dangerous prayers. So I'd ask that you open up to Psalm 139. And we are going to find our first couple dangerous prayers today. They are simple prayers, yet like a seed beneath the ground have power and potential to grow and mature and create a lot of fruit. They are simple, yet they're so on the edge of faith that as you begin to pray them sincerely, the edge of your faith moves further and further from where you first began. They're so simple yet profound enough and powerful enough that when God comes through and begins to answer them, you begin to see God more clearly, yourself more clearly, and people begin to see the light of God through you much more clearly. And it penetrates the darkness of the world. So Psalm 139 is a beautiful psalm. If you've never been introduced to this psalm, uh, I would challenge you to go home and read it this afternoon. We're not going to read the entire psalm. We're going to move through from verse 1 and 2, but to the very end of the psalm. And this is David. And if you don't know who David is, David, David was a shepherd boy. He was the runt of his family, and in fact, he was the defender of the flock for his family to lion and bear, doing that with his mere hands. He was David of the David and Goliath acclaim, where he fought off 
Goliath the giant with a sling and a mere stone. This is David who eventually became King David, anointed. This is David who was a man of emotion. Men, boys, teens, it's okay to be a man of emotion. He articulated his emotion in prose and poetry and music. But this is also David, who was a man after God's own heart, yet fell from grace by his lust after Bathsheba, committing adultery and trying to cover it up and lying and murdering. But this is also the same David who returned to grace through repentance. So we're going to start in verse 1 and 2, and then we're going to jump all the way to the very, very end of the psalm. Verse 1 and 2, O Lord, You have searched me and You know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, You perceive my thoughts from afar. The last two verses, verse 22 and 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So I'm going to ask that you, right now, be brave and courageous and that you pray a very dangerous, audacious, life-altering, transformative prayer. And it's very, very simple. Would you bow your heads with me? God, because you know me, search me and show me. Will you pray that with me? You can utter it under your breath. You can speak it in your heart. Because God, you know me. Will you search me and show me? In Jesus' name, amen. Very simple. David writes this poem. This is from his own pen and from his heart and his mind. And he reflects on God himself who is the creator of the universe, but who knows Him deeply and intimately. The one who searches and examines the heart and the mind of every human in the world, all across time. And David reflects on the fact that God Himself knows when David gets up, when he lies down. He reflects on the fact that God knows his routine and his habits and his quirks and his idiosyncrasies. Those things that if you don't live with somebody, they don't get to know all that well. David thinks through how God knows where he is and how God goes before him, who hems him in behind and before. He goes before him and he comes behind him and he's alongside of him. That David can't go where God is not because God is everywhere. He thinks through and processes and reflects how God knows him because he created him in the womb. He knitted him together. 
And actually, God ordained His days. He knows the first day and His last day and all the days in between. But in the end, David comes not only on this reflective, introspective kind of processing, he ends with a dangerous prayer. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. He continues, he says, see if there's any offensive ways in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Now, if you're like me, you're probably wondering, if God is the God that David even said searches him and knows him deeply and intimately, why is David asking God to search him and know his heart? Doesn't he already know that? Well, yeah, God does. But see, David knows that David doesn't know David all that well. Let me repeat that. David knows that David doesn't know David all that well. Stephen thinks Stephen knows Stephen really well. Why? Because Stephen is with Stephen like all the time. Stephen kind of gets sick of Stephen sometimes. There's not enough room in this box for me, myself, and I. David knows that David doesn't know David all that well. You don't know you all that well. And so David says, green light, God. Doors open, chest cavities here, cracked open, lying on the table. Search me and know me. Because you know me, search me and show me me. Let's just be honest for a second. You and I, we are very, very creative at lying. We are forgers and fashioners of the greatest tales and narratives in our own minds. And quite frankly, you will lie to you the most out of anybody in your entire life. You will. We will tell ourselves we are the greatest. I have Muhammad Ali in my head on that one. I am the greatest. But we often will also say, I am the worst. I am inadequate. That was me last night. I'll just be honest. That was me last night. I'm inadequate. We'll often say, no, 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 no. I'm not critical. I'm not judgmental. I'm just letting you know where you could be a little bit better. I'm not prideful. I can't help that no one else is better than me. Right? I'm not a gossip I just want to let everybody else know what they need to be praying for. No, 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 no. I'm not materialistic. Nope. I just want to keep everybody employed. Right? No, I'm not a workaholic. I'm just providing for my family. We will tell ourselves many, many things. 
And, quite frankly, we are quick to put everybody else on the end of our judgmental finger and demonize them, yet rationalize and justify our own behaviors that we have judged them critically for. Folks, we don't know ourselves as well as we think we do. You don't know you as well as you think you do. But God, the creator of the universe, who knit you in the womb, does. And in fact, the prophet says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Our heart is deceptive. Who can understand it? Then the Lord says through the prophet Jeremiah, I search the heart and the mind. I know the motives. I know the attitudes. I know all your idiosyncrasies. I know your rationalizations. I know your justifications. I know the darkness that you don't. I know your heart. I created you. I see it. So David prays this dangerous, audacious, almost ridiculous prayer. Lord, search me and know my heart because I don't know it and I need you to show it to me. So we were on our first uh, couple days of vacation. We, uh, we took a hike, a backpacking hike, and uh, we stayed on the top of Gregory's Bald. We tented on Gregory's Bald. And we thought we were going to be the, the only ones up there. Uh, lo and behold, there were about eight uh, or six, two, four, six. Yes, my math is correct. There were six other people. Uh, there were six other people that were up on, on the ball along with us. And uh, we, we got to know uh, some of these people. They were really awesome. We, we sat around the campfire and shared stories. And uh, there were these, these two women. Uh, one was a, a frequent backpacker. She was in her mid-60s, if not early 70s. And she had brought her uh, childhood friend out. And she was also in her mid-60s or early 70s on the trail first time that she'd ever been on the trail and she had which was real this is really really cool she made uh mushroom risotto at home dehydrated it and then rehydrated it on trail it was delicious it was awesome but amy and i had had said we're, we're, we're gonna head to head to bed so we went to the tent and zipped up tent and um they were all still out at the fire and uh as they were kind of wrapping up we heard this commotion out by our tent and it was this lady um, who had never been on trail before trying to find her campsite she was going all over the place i don't know where to go where is it there well all right am i still there you still there we all there we good we embrace the awkward around this place because most often the awkward happens because of me anyhow she has her flashlight, and she's just going all over the place. And she couldn't find it. And one of the gentlemen said, Ma'am, it's, it's right over here. Literally, it was, it was 20 feet from the campfire. But she had moved 50 feet in the other direction, 
in the darkness. This is my light. I'm sorry if I got you. This is my light. This is what I use. There, how about that? This is what I use so that when it's dark out and I need to do whatever I need to do in the dark, I can go out of my tent and see where I am. But here's the crazy thing. This beam of light only shows very, very little in the immense darkness of the woods. And it's very, very easy to get lost, even if your sight is only 20 feet away from where you were. We only see ourselves with just a little bit of the beam. However, the Lord, what is darkness to us is light to Him. And it's all revealed to Him. And so the challenge before us today is do you really know you? Do you really know your heart and who you are? And if you think you do, how deceitful is your own heart? This is exactly why Jesus Christ came, because our heart is deceitful. So the challenge is to pray the prayer of search me, And know me. I will take this off now. Because, God, you know me. Search me and show me. This is the challenge before all of us today. But see, it doesn't end there. David continues, and he says, Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Well, again, David doesn't know David as well as David thinks he does. So he says, Lord, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Know my anxiety. Know my worry. Know my fear. At Wapaknaz, if you've been around this year, since last September, we've talked a lot about anxiety, about fear, about worry, and quite frankly, 2020 has been brought to us by fear. Right? It is that our imagination projects the worst possible outcome in our future. That's really what worry and fear and anxiety is. There's more to it. I understand that. I get that. But often, we don't necessarily know what we fear and what we're anxious about. Craig Groeschel put it this way. What we fear the most is where we trust God the least. What we fear the most is where we trust God the least. Let me put it another way. The first sermon that I ever heard as a believer in Jesus Christ, I was 19 years old. It was at Main Street Baptist in Williamsburg, Kentucky, and I was sitting up dead center in the balcony and so being a I guess a new a a good new believer in Christ 
I was writing feverishly all the scriptures that the pastor was delving out. And then he said something that stopped me dead in my tracks. He said, your money is not your money, it's God's money. Threw my pencil down, and I said some very choice explicatives in the middle of church, out loud. Yeah, 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 uh-oh. And then I said, my money is my money. It's not God's money. The irony of the situation was I was a poor college student. Whatever money I had was my parents' money. <laughs> right? Right? Uh, I realized later, as I began to mature in my faith with God, as I, we started to get connected a little bit more, I realized that I feared giving up what little I had. I feared giving God what little I had. Because I didn't trust that He would come through as He says He would in Scripture. And then I realized that what I feared with that, I didn't trust Him in that, And I realized that if I didn't trust Him with the little, how am I going to be able to ever trust Him with the large? And the adverse is the same. If He can't trust me with the little and give it back to Him, then how in the world is He going to trust me with anything more than what little I have? Where we, what we fear the most is where where we trust God the least. And sometimes we don't necessarily know what we fear the most or where our anxiety is. And quite frankly, we really don't know where we trust God the least sometimes. And so David says, crack open the chest cavity once more. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Know my anxious thoughts. Test me in this. Because David doesn't know David like God knows David. You don't know you like God knows you. And so, search me and show me. Search me and show me. And David kind of wraps it up. Lead me in the way of everlasting. We read this morning from Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 55. And it says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For us to be led in the way of everlasting, we need to understand that God's way is much higher than ours. His thoughts are much higher than ours. His mind is much higher than ours. His creativity and his imagination is much higher than ours. His intellect, his understanding. Who can fathom? 
Lead me in the way of everlasting. Lead me in your ways because my ways pale in comparison to yours. Search me and show me and lead me. Leading has a lot to do with us being surrendered to follow. Leading has a lot to do with us being learners and ones that don't presume to know it all. Being led has to do with humility and understanding that maybe I don't have it all figured out. And quite frankly, if you've come to a church thinking this is a church of perfect people, this isn't. None of us have it all figured out. Welcome to Wapaknes, where we have the God who has it all figured out. Search me, show me, and lead me. In his book, Take the Stairs, Rory Vaden talked of a moment where he was in class and his professor was teaching about the principle of the pendulum. And the principle of the pendulum is such that an object hanging from a fixed point, once pulled from the midpoint and released from its highest point, will swing back and forth, but never reach the release point. And he asked the class, do you understand this principle, the principle of the pendulum? And the class said, yes. Then he asked the question, do you believe in the principle of the pendulum that an object hanging from a fixed point when pulled from its midpoint and released from the highest point, will swing back and forth and return, but not to its highest release point. Do you believe in this? Yes, they said. And so he asked for a volunteer. And there was an arrogant know-it-all, and admittedly, Rory Vaden was that arrogant know-it-all, He said, I raised my hand and I volunteered. And so the professor had Rory stand with the pendulum and said, Rory, do you believe, do you understand the principle of the pendulum that the pendulum, an object hanging from a fixed point, when moved to the release, moved from its midpoint and released from the highest point, will swing back and forth and never return to its highest release point. He said, yes, I understand that, arrogantly. And then he said, do you believe in the principle of the pendulum that an object hanging from a fixed point, when pulled from its midpoint and released from its highest point, will swing back and forth but never returned from its highest point. Do you believe in that principle? Well, absolutely. And so, with a 45-pound weight pulled to Rory's face, 
the professor released the pendulum. And as the pendulum swung to its furthest point away from Rory and began to move back towards Rory, at that last second, Rory bailed. He understood the principle. He believed in the principle. But he didn't act on the principle. Actually, this morning when I was doing this for practice, (laughs) Grandpa and Sandy were over there watching me, and they thought I was nuts and needed Prozac. And then, uh, man... I actually kind of had to dodge it just a little bit. <laughs> not going to lie, because that's a really sharp point. And if you don't know what this is, this, this, this is our plumb line. This is from a series from last year, and we've kept this up there as a reminder. There are plumb lines in our church that we follow. One of those are embrace the awkward, right? The other is pray now, pray later, because if you don't pray now, you won't pray later. Folks, This month is about dangerous prayers. And the concept of prayer is very simple. Because of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice, his death and his resurrection, we can have connection with our Creator, who knows us intimately and desires a relationship with humanity. And prayer is that connection, is that conversation with our Creator whose ways are higher than ours, who knows us deeply and intimately, better than we do. And so simply, it's a conversation. But it's much more profound than that because God is God, the Almighty, the one who heals, the one who raises the dead, the one who brings life from the worst of tragedies. The one that can transform the heart and the mind. The one that can provide life and eternal life. This is who we're having a conversation with. The one who can do immeasurably more than we think or imagine. And so, Are you praying safe prayers? Do you understand your God? Do you believe in your God? Are you acting on your understanding and your belief in your God? If you're praying safe prayers, I challenge you to act on your belief in who our God is, who our Creator is. And this week, all week, with sincerity and genuineness, I'm asking you to be brave because this is a dangerous prayer. Because God will reveal things in your life that are impure, unholy, and where you were unaligned with Him. Not to shame you and not to guilt you. No, to transform you into His likeness and His holiness. So that Miracles can begin to happen inside of your heart and in your life 
and that he will be able to do amazing things in you and through you and the world around you. Be brave and courageous to pray the dangerous prayer. Because God, you know me. Search me and show me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. Will you please stand? Will you bow your heads and your heart? And will you pray along with me? The scripture, and if you need to look at it, it's up on the screen. Will you pray along with me? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive ways in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Lord God, will you, because you know us, will you show us? Search us and show us and lead us in the way of everlasting. We love you, we praise you, we give you glory. And it is in the name of Jesus Christ that we ask these things with sincerity. Amen. Folks, will you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength? And will you please love your neighbor as yourself? Parents, guardians, if you're going to pick up your kids in Treasure Bay, you can head out the back doors. If you have kids in Treasure Bay and Pier 252, you head out the back doors. If you only have kids in Pier 252, you head out these side doors and go to the fellowship hall. We love you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to the Wapak Nas podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.